earlier this week when a lot of people were posting different things on Facebook. Um, someone had posted a song that I've heard my whole life. And the part of their post when they shared the lyrics to this song just was saying that how much the very first verse of this song, The King is Coming, sounds so familiar right now. And what I'd like to do, I'd like to read those scriptures or, or those, those lyrics to you. In fact, you have them on the screen, and, and I want you to, to look at those. It just simply says, the marketplace is empty, no more traffic in the streets, all the builder's tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors. In the courtroom, no debate. Work on earth is all suspended as the king comes through the gate. And then the course just says, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding. And now his face I see. And you know, that has really been on my mind all week long. And I've been thinking about a particular story in the Bible that reminds me of that song. And it's, it's taken out of the book of Matthew chapter 25. And th there's a lot that is packed in what I say 13 verses, but there's a lot that's that's packed in six or seven verses. And I, I want to share that story with you. In fact, uh, I'd like to just tell you that story uh, for just a moment if I could. It was Jesus spending some time talking and teaching. And he began to tell a story about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he said, the kingdom of heaven shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, 
I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And you know, all throughout Scripture, God, and through Jesus Christ, has given us a, just a crystal clear picture of what salvation is. And he uses the, the backdrop of marriage to explain what our relationship with him looks like. Like a husband and a wife. In fact, Paul said over later on that, that husbands, in the book of Ephesians, husbands, you are to love your wives. Check this out. Like Christ loves the church. And so the Lord lets us know that the kind of relationship that he wants with us is, is one that looks like a marriage. And when I read this right here, it, it lets me know not only the kind of relationship the Lord is wanting people to have with him throughout their whole life, but it also gives us a great picture on what this looks like when he's going to return. So see, God sent Jesus to die for my sins, and he did that so that we could be in a relationship with him. And then later on, we're going to, those of us that, that go home, that we are part of that, that marriage that takes place. There's going to be a marriage supper. You hear about it in Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there are so many things in this Bible right here that tells me that on a daily basis, God does not want to be distant from me. It also lets me know that God wants me to be mindful of this type of relationship as I prepare for His return. And I don't know how many days I have spent in my Christian walk doing a self-evaluation, and I'm finding that I'm doing it more, especially in the past two weeks than I've ever done it before. God, what does my relationship look like? Because a lot of people, and I'll tell you about another guy in a little bit, a lot of people, they feel like they're in a salvation covenant with God because they are religious. And see, I want to tell you something, and I don't want people to just get frustrated because you're thinking I need to be saying something else. Listen, the king is coming, folks. There's no time to be playing around. Life will no longer be as we knew it. And I don't know if anybody's ever made that statement in the past month, but I'm making it this morning. Life will never be the same as you knew it even prior to a month ago. It, it won't be that way again. Are you saying that the Lord's coming back today? No man knows the day or the hour, but we are told time and time again, you better look up, your redemption's drawing nigh, occupy till I come. There were five people that were wise, and there were five that were foolish that did not do what they, all of them were candidates to be married, and you need to dig into this story as much as you can. All of them were, were planning on being married. But I'm going to tell you, all of them did not make it because all of them slept. And I feel like that's what's been happening in the body of Christ for a long time. 
A lot of people have been sleeping. I've been guilty of it. Our church has been guilty of it. We've been, we've been comfortable. We've kind of been in a lull that it's okay. You know, the bills get paid and, you know, the church is there when I need it or, or, or whatever the case might be with any church anywhere. But I want you to know today that, that we all are guilty of sleeping and slumbering even as believers. We do that. Or God would not have seen fit to include this in his word. All of them slept. All of them slumbered. But the Bible says, but at midnight, and I can't, verse 6 says, but at midnight. And I cannot help but wonder over the past several days if the coronavirus, COVID-19, has been some kind of midnight cry. The Lord saying, I am about to come back. I am about to return. I am about to bring my bride home. I can't help but wonder if this is leading up to this and it's happening quicker than we can wrap our minds around. At midnight, the Lord is calling one more time. I need for you to wake up out of your sleep. I need you to start a revival. I need you to pray more. I need you to join up with people that are praying. I need you to get your mind off of your life, your world, and material things. And I need you to do what you can do for me, through me, while it's daytime, while there's an opportunity, while people are locked down, while people are somewhat receptive, while people are looking for answers and some kind of encouragement and something to help them just get through this unknown thing that we're all a part of now. We are living in a time like man has never ever known before and we have to make sure that we are hearing a type of midnight cry by God right now to get ready. Do what you need to do. Don't stay asleep. It's not going to ever be business as usual again. You've got to wake up and don't rest in the fact that you are a religious person. You need to know that it's not about being religious but it's about checking the oil in your lamp, making sure you are fighting the good of faith, making sure that you are completing your course, making sure that your ears are doing what you need to do so that they can hear the words, well done. That's the place we are at right now, and that's what God is looking for out of his people to wake up. And God tells us this so many ways and so many times. In fact, Matthew Henry said, if you were to look up in his commentary, Matthew Henry wrote about this particular thing. He said, the relationship is that which is illustrated in this passage right here. It's a, a, a marriage of solemnity. And, 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 and that's what God is wanting me to think about right now. Listen. I am about to get out of date mode here. I'm about to get out of engagement mode. I am about to go home. I'm about to be married to my Lord and Savior, my Father, the one who sent His only Son to die for me. I am the one that's about to be there. And, and I've got to be ready. And, and whatever I have to do, whatever life changes that I have to make, I've got to do that because God is wanting me to make sure that I have made my calling and my election sure. And you know, 
There's a lot of people, I've heard on the news that a whole lot of people are doing everything they can. There's being uh, laws that are being passed, a lot of red tape that has been just cut and removed, a lot of things that needed uh, financial backing. That is not even a problem to come up with a a vaccine for COVID-19. And you know, a lot of people are looking for just some kind of big, big answer to their problem. A lot of people are looking. I I just wish I could get a hold of a a syringe. I I wish I could get a hold of something that that is just going to help me not have to worry about this. And I want to tell you this, folks. I, I don't know if there is or if there will be a vaccine against COVID-19. But God wanted me to tell you today, at this appointed time, He wanted me to let you know that whether or not there is a vaccine for COVID-19, there is a vaccine that says you do not have to die and go to a devil's hell. You don't have to spend eternity in torment. There's a vaccine called salvation that Jesus Christ, I know that you may enjoy living the life and making the choices you are are making right now. I, I know that you may not feel like it's affected you a whole lot, but I want to tell you, ma'am, I want to tell you, sir, there is going to come a day that if you have not entered into a marriage-type relationship with Jesus Christ, there's going to come a day when it's going to hit home. And at that moment when it hits home, it's going to be just a little bit too late because God, not just like He does not want the church to be asleep and to be in a slumber state right now, He does not want you to die in your sins. The Bible says that when the wicked die, it breaks God's heart. And God cannot stand to see somebody leave this earth unprepared without their Lord and Savior. And and so many people are in a position right now and and they, they are not finding what they are really looking for. They've tried it in relationships. They've tried it with everything from drugs or alcohol or money or just to try to be so involved in all the things that this world has laid out for you to do. But I want you to understand this today, that we are living in a dangerous time for people not to take God serious because what we call the window of grace, and I refer to it a lot because it's wide open right now, and I want you to know that the window of grace is open. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, and all you have to do, it's no more complicated than it was for the thief on the cross. All you got to say is, Lord, I need you to remember me right now. I'm full of sin. I've been enjoying bad decisions. I've been enjoying things that I found pleasure and comfort in. But I want you to understand again, I can't stress this enough, that this may be the midnight cry. And God wants you to know it's time to walk away from this world and the things that you think are okay, that you've talked yourself into, that it's okay. God understands. God will just deal with 
we be? Let me tell you what God understands. God understands that 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son, and He didn't have to, but He loved you so much that He sent His Son down here to die for your sins so that you would not have to spend eternity in hell, so you would not have to stand Him guilty, stand before Him guilty and unprepared when He looks at you and He just wants to know, did you do it or didn't you do it? You don't want to say, well, God, it was okay. God, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. God, I didn't think you minded that. God, the church is not doing this, so this must be okay. There is no thing in the eyes of God that is just Justifiable by man because his blood was shed on a cross so that you could be washed away and you could walk away from this life and you could embrace him. And God wants me to tell you today with everything that I have that you can be saved and it doesn't matter. The coronavirus might take you out, but it might not take you out. You may be here 10 more minutes. You might be here 10 more years or 50 more years. No man knows. I've said that. But what we do know today Today, God wants me to be saved. He desires for me to be saved. He made a way for me to be saved. And I know what a lot of you are probably thinking right now. I just, my friend told me to watch this today. And I know everybody's trying to be encouraging and positive. And, and, and I'm all about that. There's no better time to be positive and encouraging than right now. And I get that. And I'm trying to do my share of it. And I just really wish today, preacher, that you would be a little more positive. Can't you? be positive I can be positive right now I am positive that if you are not saved by the blood of Jesus you will go to a devil's hell and you will be lost for all eternity the window of grace will be closed and we don't know when that will come whether it will be through the Lord returning after his bride or you leaving taking your last breath but I do know you can be ready you can be ready you can be ready you know when I was a little boy and I was Growing up, I've told you about the king is coming. I've heard that all my life. But when I was young, I, I used to hear this a whole lot. We used to think about the mark of the beast. We really did. We, we, we would think about the mark of the beast growing up, and we always thought, I did anyway, I, we, I, I thought that it would be like either a magic mark or some kind of stamp on my, 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 my hand and my forehead People would be walking around with a stamp that just said 666. And, you know, I couldn't really do anything but just kind of imagine that and think about that back then. You know, I couldn't see that. I also, I couldn't see a, a cashless society back then. Man, everybody's got it. you got to have money everywhere. You know, we used to have a, uh, up above my house, we had the service distributor. Used to ride bikes up there through the car wash. And one of our past times some of you know what i'm talking about we'd ride through the car wash see if somebody had dropped a quarter because in that day you could take a quarter and walk inside of the service distributor and you could get a drink for a quarter and we would do all that and i never would have imagined a cashless society back then i could i couldn't see that I, there's no way. I read about the plagues since I was old enough to read the Bible in Egypt. I, I could never imagine a global virus, a pandemic that affected the whole entire earth. I couldn't see that. I, I, I couldn't even see back then that it would be okay to kill babies. 
And I know a lot of people don't like that. You're more political than you are spiritual or biblical. But it is what it is, folks. It is what it is. I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that wrong would be right back then. But you know what? Everywhere we go today, you you can take a phone. You can pay for things. We also know that everything from GPS and tracking someone or people checking in. And I'm not throwing off if you do that. I'm not throwing off on that, so stay with me here. We, we, we are talking about technology and where we're living at. I can see it today. I can see I can't pay for stuff with a phone. I can also see that if I don't want to ever lose my dog, I can inject them with a chip. We didn't even know what RFID meant back then. But we can see this now. We didn't know what AI or artificial intelligence meant back then. We didn't know what facial recognition meant when you can walk into stores even right now and they have devices that you probably don't know about that can read your face and they compare it with you in a profile and everywhere you go, there is no such thing as off the grid. If you've ever put a check in a bank somewhere, if you've ever used a credit card, I don't care if you don't own a smartphone, listen to me, if you are here, and you've paid bills or you have a street address, Big Brother, if you want to call him that, already has a running record of you. You cannot hide. It was designed a long time ago when we would get to a day like this where people could be kept up with, where everything you do, your shopping habits could be monitored. Everywhere you spend money could be monitored. And ads could be generated automatically based on what you did. I could not see all this, but all of you that are listening to me right Right now, you know you can see every bit of this because it's not just a lucky shot from the Word of God. God's prepared us with His Word thousands of years ago. And friends, I'm not a little boy on a bicycle in Rockingham at Service Distributor, but I'm a grown man and I've watched all this unfold before my eyes. And it grieves my heart to know that people live passively every day and they're going to die and go to a devil's hell, maybe because I wasn't willing to preaching or maybe because I didn't want to be logged off on or maybe because I was scared people would leave the church. There's nobody in the church now but I've still got an obligation to my God to preach and warn people that the time is drawing nigh and the signs are appearing everywhere and I am told to lift up, look up because my redemption is drawing nigh and God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. There was a man that always used to, you know, walk around. His name was Nicodemus. He was a religious man. He was a religious man. And the Bible says in the book of John, chapter 3. And by the way, before I read this, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that when I woke up this morning and I read Scripture and I looked at the Bible app, Bible verse, I do that dozens of times throughout the day trying to, if I don't know the Scripture, remember it or meditate on it if I already have it memorized. And I don't think it's a coincidence at all that today's passage was John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And anybody that would believe, that's all it would require, just believing own him, and you would have this everlasting eternal life that I'm talking about. But, you know, just like a lot of people, 
including myself, that were guilty of being religious. So much of our Christian walk. So much of our Christian walk. This man, Nicodemus, he was of the Pharisees and he came to Jesus by night. And he was actually a ruler of the Jews, so he was in leadership. And he said to him, Rabbi, now this is at night. Nobody could see him. We know that you are a teacher and you have come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't be religious, folks. You can't just go to church. You can't just be related to somebody who knows Jesus and loves Him. And so you've got to be born again. Your life, the way it is, the way you came into this world, it's not sufficient to get you into glory. It's not sufficient enough for you to have one of these marriage types of relationship with Jesus right now. You've got to be born again. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that is salvation. That which is born of the flesh it's flesh. In other words, if you stay like you are, if you do not allow God to make this transformation through His Son Jesus in your life, you're going to live the rest of your life in your flesh, pleasing your flesh. And the sad part is you're going to die in your flesh, which means you're going to die in your sins and you will not enter the kingdom of God, but that which is born of the Spirit as Spirit. And that means I don't care what your nature is now. I don't care what your habits are. I don't care what your fixations are right now. But when you're born of water and you're born of the Spirit, you are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Holy Ghost, you can become and you will become a brand new creature. And you will have a moment in your life where you'll look back and you'll say, I know that used to do it for me. I know I used to try to justify doing this or being this or having this or going this way or, or just denying God. But, but now I, I'm born of the Spirit. I'm part of the royal priesthood. I'm a peculiar person. I'm a holy nation. And I want to do what God says to do because I know that time is short and I know that God is about to return. And I know a lot of people here need to be vaccinated. You need a vaccine, not the COVID-19. That's not a guarantee. But one day, friends, one day there's going to be there's going to be a different type of vaccine. It's going to be the mark of the beast. It won't be called that, though. It, it'll be called something else. It, it'll have a political correct name. It'll have a name that is user-friendly. It'll have a name that is 
preceded by, or it precedes a hashtag, rather, or an at symbol. It'll have a catchy name. People like Black Friday will wake up and put up tents early to get theirs first so that they can have theirs first. People will make statements like, I don't know how we ever live without this. Men will think twice before they abduct a child again if that ever happens because they will always be traced and trackable. People won't worry about if their phone's dead or if they have a smart kind of way of paying for things. It, it will be a part of them. If they get in a car wreck and they are worried about, oh, my information, my insurance card, they won't have to worry about that. You see, it'll be part of your body. People who have experienced identity theft and you've dealt with all types of fraudulent activity and you've went through that, that'll be gone. You see, it will answer all of the questions that we still struggle with right now. It, it will address all of the needs and people will say, Oh my, there can't be anything. Look at all the good it's doing. Look at how we're able to eliminate this crisis. Look at how we're able to take care of these people now because we can. it'll be a great thing when it comes. But it will be a death sentence for all eternity. It will be a sentence that nobody will be able to revoke or change or, or just say, well, we, we tried that and it didn't work. It, it will be too little too, uh, too late. The king is coming, folks. The king is coming. And I've had a lot of people to do a lot of bad things to me. I've done things I'm not proud of. And I think about what people do, as I said, to women and children and to each other and how people do things that, that are just cruel because of a person's color or their background or where they're from, the part of the world they're from, how people are abused all the time. I think about how people don't think twice about, as I said earlier, taking the life of a, of a baby that could have had the cure possibly if they were have given the opportunity to grow up, maybe they would have, our answer for COVID-19 is in a dumpster somewhere behind an abortion clinic. We don't know these things. But even people that do all this, do you know there's not one person on the face of this earth? And God knows I can say this with all conviction. There's not one individual that I want to die and go to hell. Not one. I don't want a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent. I don't want a person over in Russia. I don't want a person that's committed a crime and they're in solitary confinement. There's nobody. In it. What about those people that, that bombed 9-11? Yeah, that was horrible. It really was, and I didn't lose somebody to that. But I'm telling you, folks, hell is an awful place. And this may be the last message I preach. And I don't want to waste it. Just because I'm afraid that you may not appreciate it. You see, me too, I too, have to stand before this God. I've got to give an account for the day that He called me to preach and what I did with this beautiful book right here. I've got to give an account. And you know, there's, two, there's something God has whispered to my spirit two times since I've been standing here. And I'm going to say this because... I want to speak back to the body of Christ right now. 
And I'm being obedient. But you know, ever since we had a man part of our church, Pat Walters, that passed away and, and publicly, a lot of his life was shared by his son. So it wasn't by me. Which I believe helped a lot of people. And it certainly glorified God. And you know, I've, I've thought about this so many times. And I'm not justifying decisions that he made or even digging this back up. But a part of me has wondered, has God ever wondered? I wonder what's worse. What's worse? And this is more like a theology question. I understand that. But I wonder what's worse. Committing adultery or backsliding and going into a life of drinking and all the things that that he did. What's worse? Doing those things but then coming back home to Jesus and selling out and allowing God to use you on a, a global level more than you ever have before and then dying and going home like that. I wonder what's worse, that or never really doing anything like that in your own eyes, but you just sit asleep like the foolish virgins and you just kind of Cadillac on home to glory. You've done your time. You've paid your dues. I wonder what's worse in the eyes of God. At least he did finish. Yeah, he might have did something that was publicly looked down on and it was not fine in the eyes of God. But he found his way home and he loved his Lord and Savior. And I'm not preaching his funeral again, but I want to make a point here. We've got to get up out of our slumber church. We've got to realize we are living in a window of grace. And it may not be that you'll ever walk into this church again and ever have an opportunity. It may stay like this before the Lord turns, uh, returns. We don't know. But you need to make your calling and election sure. You need to be able to say, well, I'm going to finish strong. I'm not going to sit asleep. Because a lot of people like Nicodemus, they're okay because their religious position or their religious tenure has let them believe that it's okay to live and And not do anything for God. But it's not okay. It's not okay. And God wants to resurrect you. My Christian brother and sister. He wants you to start trimming your lamp again. And those of you that are not in a relationship. And I love that word because it not only lets me know how God feels about me later. But it lets me know that right now. That he wants to be a provider. Like a man provides for his family. He wants to be a caregiver. He wants my home to be a home of safety and comfort. He wants to provide healing for me. He wants to take care. He wants to do all these things. Like you do when you're in a relationship with a woman. Sir. Ma'am, when you're in a relationship with this guy that you're going to marry, how you want to buy flowers, you want to find a nice restaurant, you just, you, just want, you just really want to do nice, sir. That's the way God wants us to be taken care of. By the payment His Son made, He wants that relationship for you now. See, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Nobody breathing can tell you that. Nobody. 
because they don't have that much control over their life. But I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray because God wants to take you and He wants to hold you right now. He wants to help you. He wants to write your name down in this book of life so that if during this COVID crisis or 10 years from now when the trumpet sounds, you won't be asleep. You'll be wide awake. You'll be looking for a neighbor to check on. You'll be looking for a church member to check on. You'll be doing whatever it takes. If it's praying at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 at the night with, at night with millions of us, you're willing to do it. You want to do it. You want to exhaust everything about you and your means for the love of Jesus Christ. And God can do that. And while I'm praying, I want you to pray. We started off by quoting a part of 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people. So, brothers and sisters, that may just be of a Nicodemus attitude right now. Listen, while I'm praying, I want you to humble yourself. Realize that religion is not what Jesus died for. He died for relationship. Jesus didn't die so you could be a religious person. He died so you could have a relationship that's so obvious that you never have to tell anybody. And while you are humbling yourselves, you are seeking Him. You are turning. You are praying. You are acknowledging Him. God's healing you and He's healing our land. And my friend, I want you to know that I want to introduce you to my Lord and Savior. He's waiting on me. He's been waiting on me for the past several minutes to get to this moment where I can introduce you personally to Him. Father, I come to you today. And you have spoken to me. And you can repeat these words or words like this. And I give you my heart. I give you my life. I don't want to be religious anymore. I want to be relational. I don't want to try to defend my actions or my activities. But God. I want to fall at your feet while this window of grace is open and the wind is blowing in my face and you want to love me and forgive me and provide and help me through this crisis. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I know you paid the penalty for my sins and I don't want to reject that any longer or just think about it, but I give you my heart. I give you my soul right now and I denounce my flesh. I want to be born again, Lord. I want to be born again. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me and make me whole. God, I commit to give you the rest of my life. And I'll do so right now. Whether I ever get an opportunity to walk in a church and proclaim it publicly, I'll post it, Lord. I'll share it. I'll tell it when I am able to go to grocery store or when I'm able to go to work or to school. I will not hide. I won't come to you only at night when I'm not around friends and families. Oh, but Lord, I'll be outspoken. I will let my light so shine before men, Lord, that they will see you and glorify you, Lord. That's what I'll do. And I thank you. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you. If you prayed 
and you committed your life to Christ. Now listen, I know this is something that is said at a lot of broadcasts. But I'm telling you this is so critical right now. Because I told our small little group that was here today. I want all of you to understand this before we, we are off the air. A lot of people are in quarantine and self-quarantine. But Satan and all of hell, they know no such a thing. He's still roaming the earth. He's still trying to find somebody that's resisting what I shared today. He's trying to find somebody that's justifying why they are religious and why it's okay for them to be still sleeping. And the fact that, well, I'm not really sleeping, but your life says you are really asleep. He is roaming this earth to and fro. He's not quarantined, world. You need to understand that. He's looking at this as a moment of desperation because he understands the Word. He knows the Word. He sees the season. He knows the technology. He knows about the virus. And he's going to try to maximize this for his kingdom called hell. And it's not a pretty one. So don't be fooled. The Bible says in Corinthians... We are not ignorant of his devices. We are not. So call on the Lord while he may be found, while he is near. And I can't promise you that I'll be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I plan to, but I have no control over when the trumpet will sound. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Don't wait to discuss the video with other people to see their take on it. You may not have that time. COVID may not be what's pursuing you right now. It might be the appointed time that God has on your life since you were born. And it may be this day, the 29th of March. So don't waste it, okay? Listen, I love you. And if you did give your heart to the Lord, I want you to message us some kind of way. You could call and leave a voicemail. You can respond through email. Info at multitudeschurch.com. If you're on Facebook or any of the platforms we're on right now, the app, YouTube, whatever, you, you can do that. You can just say, I gave my heart to the Lord. Just a way we can get in touch with you. We want to pray for you, and we want to give you some things that will help you. We may never see you face to face, you see. It's that critical. But we can be faithful with what God's given us. So we bless you, and we thank you, and do all you can. To love on Jesus because he's loving on you. And if God wills, we will see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock.